So and welcome to another episode of Rebel City Podcast. This week's guest is Dan Collins. Um, Dan is the owner of Hemp, a CBD shop in Edinburgh. And a couple of weeks ago, me and Matt actually went through Edinburgh and we recorded this podcast in Dan's back shop. So first of all, just want to say a huge thank you for Dan for facilitating that and having us. He also gave us a free bottle of CBD water. So cheers for that, buddy. Um. I really wanted to do this podcast because I openly smoke cannabis um, on a daily basis. I mean, it's not every day unless I'm away for work or something like that, but um, I'm not a stereotypical lazy stoner. And I've heard Dan speak about it before and know that he's an advocate and also like sort of speaks up for people that want to use cannabis. Um, we tried to break a wee bit of the stigma, but he got pure scientific. <laughs> and, um, I mean, he's an incredibly intelligent guy, but he got totally scientific on me about it. I was loving the conversation. And so for that reason, I'm just going to um, let the podcast sort of speak for itself. So without further ado, here's Dan. So hello and welcome to another episode of Rebel City Podcast. This will be, I think this is 40. No, but we've got, we did Darn McGarvey. But he was here on 39. He's 40. Is he? Aye. Alright, so you'll know episode 40. for you'll Sorry. Like a special episode. I might leave you at 45 or something like that. But this week's episode, we are actually in the back room of a shop called Hemp in Edinburgh. And we've got the owner... Uh, Dan Collins here. How's it going, Dan? Oh, good. Thanks very much for coming through. Pleasure Not to have you. Nice to meet you. Not at all. Um, I'd seen you on uh, Elliot Reeves' podcast. We had Elliot on four or five episodes ago. He's mm. a really nice dude. Yeah, he's cool, yeah. But I really enjoyed that episode, and we are quite sort of Glasgow-specific, so we've had quite a lot of topics that are just in the sort of microcosm, and also... Glasgow's podcasting scenes went crazy. So mm. I, th- I thought, we'll get this guy on, because I wanted to talk about weed basically um, I've outed myself before on the podcast as being a sort of daily user mm. of cannabis um, I've been a bit more cautious but I'm in the same bracket <laughs> yeah cool just, you're in good company yeah. <laughs> and not only just the THC which is the stuff that I started on or, or started out on hash mm. but I use CBD um, on like a daily basis but for people that watch the podcast we've got a very different crowd to the earlier it's just why I just introduce yourself like what's the shop all about and Alright, cool. So uh, my name's Dan, my shop is called Hemp. The full name of the company is the Hemp Community Interest Company. Uh, So we're a social enterprise, we sell CBD products from various Scottish uh, suppliers. Um, Started the company a couple of years ago and opened the shop in 2018 with the idea being that I wanted to get as many people as possible to try CBD and I thought the easiest way of doing that would be open a shop. Okay. There's a shop that people can go to, they can ask questions, and importantly, I wanted to create an environment that was supportive and not sales-driven. So um, I don't really like the idea of pushing sales on people, and particularly when it comes to something like CBD and where people are vulnerable because of their health, uh, I think that by removing the profit motive, it kind of makes for a more honest conversation yeah. between me, like ourselves, and 
the customers. Mm-hmm. And one of the things with CBD, for example, is when you're starting using CBD, the best way to use it is to start low and go slow. So take mm-hmm. a little bit at a time, but take it every day and gradually increase how much you take. Now, for that reason, the majority of customers that we get through the shop, they will spend less than, they will spend 20 pounds or, or less. Mm-hmm. Like they'll maybe buy like an entry level product with a little bit of CBD and build it up. Now from a sales point of view, it would make a lot more sense for me to try and sell as many as the more expensive oils as possible. Yeah. But mm-hmm. my experience has been that the people who start off in the higher strengths tend to not stick with it. Um, like more than ha- more than a dozen times, um, I, you know, someone will come in and they'll insist that they want to go for something that's really high strength and they'll take it for a couple of days and they'll message me and say, I feel weird. I feel, yeah. I feel tired. I've got a headache. I've, you know, I'm feeling a wee bit off kilter. And well, that's, that's what too much CBD feels like. People assume that because it's non-psychoactive that you can just take as much as you yeah. want. Mm-hmm. When really to get the best results, take a little bit at a time but take it every day and mm-hmm. make it a part of your daily routine. So yeah, we kind of figured that like, you know, I kind of figured that being a, a social enterprise, you know, allows you to have a more honest conversation with mm-hmm. customers so that, you know, we're giving them good advice rather than just good products. Yeah. Uh, and then also because it's to do with health, like anything to do with human health, like, you know, we, we, there shouldn't be a profit motive. There's, you know, or at the yeah. very least any profit that's made goes back into helping people. So mm-hmm. as a social enterprise, we're committed to taking all the profits we make and reinvesting it or donating it and giving it, using it in such a way that it helps the people that support the business. Mm-hmm. And just in case, I think the majority of the people who would probably listen to the podcast would know this already, but what is the difference between CBD and like the wheat that maybe you've seen mates or Sons, daughters, whatever. Gets. Been getting absolutely blazed at Transmetal Weekend. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Cool. So the cannabis plant makes hundreds of different compounds, um, most of which are come under the category of cannabinoids. Uh, cannabinoids are named after the cannabis plant, but humans make them as well. In fact, most animals make their own cannabinoids. It just so happens that the cannabis plant makes more of them. Mm-hmm. The two most famous of these are THC <clears throat> and CBD. THC stands for tetrahydrocannabinol, uh, and it's the psychoactive part of cannabis. It's mm-hmm. the part that gets you high. It's the part that you notice straight away. So yep. it's the it's the kind of the famous part. I like to call it the sex, drugs, and rock and roll part. It's the rock star. It goes up on mm-hmm. stage. It's all lights, camera, and action. <laughs> Mick Jagger gets up on stage. He puts on a hell of a show, and all eyes are on him, but he does not put all the equipment in the bus at the end of the gig. He doesn't mm-hmm. clean up the stadium afterwards. Basically, there are more roadies than rock stars, and CBD is the roadie. CBD is the part that's doing the slow work, it's doing the indirect work, and it's doing the stuff around the edges. Mm -hmm. Um, THC and CBD, they're not opposite and equal, they're complementary. One of the important things about cannabinoids is that they always work better when you combine them. Mm -hmm. When you get a little mix of cannabinoids, you get what's called the entourage effect, and that's the, the whole is more valuable than the sum of the parts. Um, THC currently is a controlled substance. Um, you can get it on prescription. Um, if, if, you're, if you've got a really good doctor or if you've got a private doctor, you can get it on prescription in the mm-hmm. UK. Um, but otherwise, it's a controlled substance and you're not allowed it. Okay. I suppose the big irony, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of your listeners know, the irony of that is that while it's illegal, if you really wanted some weed, it would take you about 10 minutes to get some. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I live like 15 minutes walk from the shop and on the way to work this morning, I smelt weed twice. 
Yeah. You know, it's mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's the elephant yeah. in the room is that it's illegal, it's dangerous, it's scary, oh, it's the black market, but it's everywhere. You know, yeah. everyone's mm-hmm. doing it, everyone's you know growing it or smoking it or using it, everyone's interested. I think in you it. could search on Instagram and be there within seconds. Oh yeah, you absolutely. Know I mean? like, you know, whenever <clears throat> whenever we see like the police you know busting a, a, a grow or you know raiding like a dealer or whatever, that slows down the supply chain for a couple of hours. Like yeah. on average, that'll slow you down for like two hours. Yeah. Uh-huh. If your dealer gets raided, you find another one because yeah. as much as you can try and control the supply, you can never take away the demand mm-hmm. because the demand for cannabis is instinctive. It's not something, it's not a synthetic drug that we've just discovered. It's not like cannabis rolled into the UK in the 90s and suddenly we're all enthralled. Yeah. Cannabis has been around for millions of years. Mm-hmm. Humans have been using it for at least the last 10,000, at least. Um, we have receptors in our brains that are designed specifically to use cannabinoids. So to forcibly remove it from the food chain is... If, is so not- I mean the human body has literally evolved mm-hmm. yeah. to be receptive to cannabinoids. Well, as in like the human body have evolved its own cannabinoids and the cannabis plant evolved to service those receptors. Yeah. So like the, the cannabinoid system, and this is something that we talk about a lot in the shop, um, you know, CBD itself is not some kind of miracle compound. The system that uses it is. So in your brain, in your body, you have a network of receptors, billions of these little cannabinoid receptors that work all day, every day, from the moment you're born to the moment you die. It's constantly working around the clock to keep you okay, yeah. to keep everything in the middle. Keep everything. It's the, the fancy word for it is homeostasis. So the, the aim of the cannabinoids is to keep everything in balance, not too hot, not too cold, not too sleepy, not too awake, not too hungry, not too full. Somewhere in the middle, keeping yeah. everything nice and even. Now, that system evolved about 650 million years ago in a prehistoric animal called a tunicate. Uh, the, 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 their ancestors still live today. They're called, a, they're called sea squirts. They kind of look like a little anemone, but it was the first animal that developed this system of cannabinoids, little mm-hmm. regulating things that kind of keep things in balance. Every animal that has a spine borrowed that system from them. And then about 60, somewhere between 30 and 65 million years ago, the cannabis plant shows up and it makes those same chemicals, or rather makes chemicals similar enough that they still fit in the same receptors. Mm. Um, this gave the cannabis plant an evolutionary advantage for a couple of reasons. One, it protects their seeds from the sun. So THC and CBD on the plant, they protect the seeds of the plant from the UV rays from the sun. So that's okay. yeah, little drops of sunshine. Keeps you know, keeps them safe. <laughs> um, the other thing it does is they, they shoo away insects. Insects aren't really interested in cannabis. There's a couple of insects that will, like spider mites, will eat cannabis, but very few insects are attracted to cannabis because insects don't have cannabinoid receptors. Mm-hmm. So they have no use for cannabinoids, they're not interested in them. And because the cannabis plant produces such a complex aroma, uh, the insects you know, insects will fly past cannabis and they can't distinguish what type of plant it is. Mm-hmm. You know, cannabis has a really distinct smell, but it's not one smell. It's lots of different aroma, yeah. plant aromas yeah. being brought together uh-huh. and it confuses insects. Um, so insects have no, the other thing that gives that the cannabinoids <clears throat> give the, the cannabis plant an evolutionary advantage is attracting animals. So a plant like cannabis, I mean, plants can't walk and move and spread their own seeds. Some mm. plants will throw their seeds to the wind. Some plants hide their seeds inside fruit. Yeah. This plant hides its seeds in cannabinoids. So a, a mountain goat stumbles across some cannabis plant, smells it a mile away because of that distinct smell, mm-hmm. eats the plant, 
consumes some of the seeds and that helps the seeds spread further. But as a little thank you for that goat eating the seeds, it gets some cannabinoids. Those cannabinoids help the goat to feel better. It, it supplies the endocannabinoid system of that mountain goat with some cannabinoids, mm. nice and easy. Now, a few thousand years ago, a very clever species of animal called Homo sapiens discovered that if you take that plant and you See, heat it up... debatable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if you heat that plant over a certain temperature, basically if you set it on fire, it changes the nature of some of those compounds and makes it psychoactive. So it's not until you heat cannabis up that it actually has an effect. If you just got like a big bud, like a big raw bud and edit, mm -hmm. you might feel a little bit calm, but you're not going to be high. If you heat it up first, if you activate it, mm -hmm. then it's a thing. So I like to imagine like a bunch of cavemen sitting around in like a yurt or something. You're like, ah, yeah. oh, it's really cold in here. Got, <laughs> is there anything we can throw on the fire to warm us up? It's like, oh, I've got some of that hemp. <sighs> There we go. Hot box to shout each yeah. other. <laughs> it's how they used to do it in ancient Egypt. So they'd be all sitting around in the sauna, and someone would show up with like a big bag of weed, and they just throw it on the hot rocks, and it would vaporize Oof. the cannabinoids. So everyone would just get really, really high in the sauna. That's how they used That's to do amazing. it. So before there were bongs and pipes and cigars and cigarettes. They just used to just throw it on some hot oh, rocks. There's a business idea for when it gets legalized. CBD rub. And you get the THC sauna. You just go and get absolutely mangled. Yeah, absolutely. Do, you, do you use THC yourself? I am. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a THC so user. I literally, do. like a walking, talking example of how people that smoke weed aren't stupid, unlazy. Because clearly, I mean, how do you know so much about like? Uh, well, other I than being a stoner. Other than being a stoner, yeah. When you're a stoner, you, you end up going down a lot of YouTube holes. <laughs> um, I just like learning. Uh, I, I read a lot of scientific journals and articles. I'm subscribed to like a few different kind of like services that provide mm -hmm. me with up-to-date information on the, can yeah. the cannabis world. Um, I mean, I first got in, when I was at university, I studied speech and language therapy, of all things. And when you're digging around in kind of like neurology and sort of brain-based sort of articles, yeah. journals, you, you come across things. And yeah. you're like, wait a minute, is that, is that, is, is that, that a thing? True? Is that true? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you, 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 from there, you just kind of build up this profile. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of information out there. We know more about the cannabis plant than any other plant. It's been better researched, more mm -hmm. widely researched than any other plant in history. And yet we're at a point where, where our own government kind of likes to pretend that there's not enough research and that any research yeah. is, is all very bad. It's a very scary drug. Mm -hmm. It's very, very dangerous. We yeah. wouldn't want people getting their hands on it. God forbid that people should be happy, hungry and sleepy in their own homes. Yeah. yeah. But lo and behold... <laughs> Prime Minister's husband. I mean, what percentage of the population do they estimate actually uses cannabis in Scotland? Between ten and twenty percent. Okay, yeah, and it varies. Is that people that are openly so you could maybe add on some secret stoners of which I've met more than a few. Yeah, there's there's probably more than that. I mean, like the statistically, fifty percent of people have tried it at okay. one time or another. Mm -hmm. So yeah. there's quite a lot of the people who have tried it, maybe only just once or twice. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of regular use, it'll vary between 10 and 20. Okay. Um, so 20% of the population's consuming something that's really bad for them and mm -hmm. turn them into a, absolute, a mental health patient. A, and a stark raving killer. And they're sitting about doing nothing. I mean, that's, yeah. a, that's a million people Eating in Scotland. Pizza. It's it's Schrodinger's yeah, right. drug, you know. On the one hand, it'll make you like yeah a psychotic murderer, but mm -hmm. also it'll make you sit down and do nothing for six hours. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it can't be both. Really, yeah, it doesn't yeah. really match. Uh, so see, when we talk about like the the medical, so I think in mm -hmm. recent years, especially, I, I don't know when I first read or heard about CBD, but 
seems to be since like maybe 2016 or some somewhere like that onwards mm. there's there's a lot of people using it for medical purposes what are the main sort of medical benefits that people get specifically for cbd okay so it, it really depends it depends on the day because we see so many different people um we see a lot of different conditions some people come in with very niche very specific things that they want to talk about yeah um broadly speaking pain depression anxiety sleep they're probably the big four mm-hmm. um and that's not to say that there aren't other things that CBD can do for people, mm-hmm. um, but those are the, the four that are like most common. Like yeah. these are the you know, and, and there's even like even within those categories, if you look at different demographics, so younger people tend to be use it more for mental health, whereas older people more of a balance between mental and physical health. But yeah. often more things like arthritis and sort of <clears throat> back pain, sciatica, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, it, it's a lot of the it's the little things that maybe people don't there's not a medicine for yeah do you like so like it's one of the big differences between chronic conditions and acute conditions like if i walked out into the street right now and got hit by a car i would be in acute pain but that pain would stop now acute pain hit it with the opioids give me the morphine Mm -hmm. leave your himalayan salt lamp in the corner i don't Mm -hmm. want any lavender tea give me morphine but if i have to take morphine every day for the rest of my life. Yeah, that's totally unsustainable. Some things don't go away. And I think it's one of the really unfortunate facts of life is that there are some conditions that do not go away. Arthritis, even to a certain extent, some mental health conditions, you'll always have a pre like a predisposition yeah. to feeling depressed or feeling anxious. There's nothing that you can really do to take it. There's not like a magic wand that you can wave or a pill that's going to guarantee fix it straight away. But with cannabis, we have access to this you know selection of cannabinoids that we can safely use ourselves mm-hmm. we can you know every person's different every person uses a different type of cannabis or a different type of cbd product they might use it in a different way or a different time of day in a different dose yeah but you are uniquely capable of finding out what works best for you yeah. like you're the only person that will ever get to experience life from your perspective you're the only person that can tell you what works for you Mm -hmm. Um, there are some really interesting things I've read about you how to find out what dose works best for you in CBD and you you put your weight into this calculator and I'll say that's one side of the story but there's Mm -hmm. not really I've got really big customers who use really small doses I've got really small customers who use really big doses yeah there isn't a direct correlation take what makes you feel comfortable Mm -hmm. and know that this is your choice you're in control and I guess one of the things about cannabis is that you're in control you know Mm -hmm. it's you don't have to do it a certain yeah, way. You know, yeah. it's, it's, you, 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 do you prefer a, a pipe over a bong? Cool, whatever. Yeah. Whatever suits. I think that something that's popping up for me here is that it would be like if alcohol, which was, there was a prohibition on alcohol, and they literally said that all alcohol was like absinthe mm. instead of saying you, you don't need to take. That's yeah. super strong. Yeah. Like when the, the misinformation goes out there, they're generally referring to THC, mm-hmm. um, and I think that being able to separate it out for CB and CBD into the different cannabinoids has been really important. I think even for the industry and like the stigma yeah. that, that goes along oh, with sort of yeah. cannabis. Well, this is the thing: like you go to America, and even like in, in there's about what eleven or twelve states where it's completely legal. In those states, even now. Um, the majority of products that are being sold are bred exclusively for THC. Like it's only yeah within the last few years mm-hmm. that CBD starting to sort of find its place in the market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because as much misinformation as there is about the plant, there's there's misinformation from both sides. 
Because when you yeah. get one group saying that it's a terrible drug and it's very dangerous, the knee-jerk reaction is, it's completely harmless, yeah. it's mm-hmm. safe, it's fine. It cures cancer. It does like, everything. It's yeah. God's gift to mankind. It's great. Mm-hmm. The truth is somewhere in the middle. There are yeah. risks and there are benefits. Yeah. And by having this either-or attitude, this very black and white, you know, false dichotomy, you, you miss out on a lot of the subtlety. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the number of times, like, you know, like, I, like I, I'm a, a num- on a number of cannabis subreddits. Like, I use Reddit. That's my favorite social yeah. network. And a number of these, these sites, and you, you pick up on what people are doing in other parts of the world. And one of the things that's becoming clear is that when people start introducing CBD to their routine, maybe it's someone who's a daily smoker and they've been using high THC strains for year, uh, for years, and the sort of intuition is that, well, higher percentage means you're getting more bang for your buck. Mm-hmm. But they find that, oh, I started using something that was a bit more balanced with CBD and THC, a little bit of both, yeah. and suddenly there's a huge difference. Like They're more productive, they're happier, they're yeah. sleeping better, they're actually consuming less cannabis overall but still enjoying what they're taking. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot more subtlety too. There's a lot more, there's a, a phrase that's used, it's called nature's law of stinginess. And this is something that applies to cannabis plants, which is where sometimes the higher percentage isn't the better plant. The better plant is the better plant. It's the one that's yeah. bred better. It's the one that's got yeah. a bit more of a balance. It's the one that clicks with you. It's yeah. not necessarily the one that's 25, 26, 27%. I mean, you go back to the 1960s, the, the hippies at Woodstock were smoking something that was maybe 2 or 3% CBD and 2 or 3% THC. No one mm. was sitting around complaining 50%. going, oh mate, I can't wait till we get the 28% stuff. I'm yeah. 25% less stoned now than I should be. This is outrageous. <laughs> It doesn't work that way. There's yeah. a, there's so much more subtlety and nuance to it. If you look at somewhere like Canada, because Canada has just outright legalized it, um, companies have an incentive now to breed more balanced plants. So as well as getting, yeah, 20, 25, 30% THC plants, there's a huge market of people who don't want to get obliterated and people who just want Absolutely. to just chill. Yeah. So how about... Five percent THC and ten percent CBD. Can we do that? Yeah, it's not rocket science. It's Aye. a plant. Teenagers do this in their basement. <laughs> yeah. This is the kind of thing you're talking about. Is the, the difference between that first time you ever drink and somebody handing you a beer or somebody handing you a pint of vodka? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like if you want to go and neck the pint of vodka, why you're in? You know what I mean? But there'll be consequences if you want to just sit and chill. Does that yeah. as you say the lower percentage and like the prohibition in general, like. As, as sort of Paul touched on, there's something that really like fascinates me about it. Um, I, I'm like I'm at smoke daily. I prefer a joint because I still smoke tobacco, mm. which I know is extremely bad for me. Um, but you know we'll get there in the end. But like I don't know if there's ever been an example, and we've had it with guests like Ask the Seven Hundred recently and stuff like that, where you know a flat out ban on what people want to do is never ever going to work. All right, so I think. CBD particularly has been really important in like changing people's perceptions of weed and cannabis and the various sort of cannabinoids that we've been talking about because I've went for in a space of a generation an older group of, as we said off mic before here older generations in my family who were vehemently anti-drug would not countenance the notion that they would take part in any sort of you know cannabis type product whatsoever and now my missus was talking to her gran who was having a conversation in chapel with a nine-year-old woman um, about got the phone going. What's there. what cannabis? What, what CBD products they were going to be using? And you're like, that's went for 
never having the conversation and being completely shut off to the entire society that we live in to old dears talking about it in mm. chapel now in the space of one generation I think mm. within the massive. space of a couple of years really I mean mm-hmm. I think it's one of the things like the majority of customers that we have um uh, the majority of customers that we have is, is are over fifty. Mm-hmm. Like you, know, more than more than half are you know men and women over the age of 50, 60 years old, who are seeing what it's like to grow old and mm-hmm. experiencing it. And as our bodies age, things start to kind of break down. We start to accumulate inflammation. We start to not function at our best. Mm-hmm. We're not. You're not a spring chicken anymore. You know, mm-hmm. I'm thirty two. I'm well over the hill. I can feel it in all my joints and muscles. <laughs> I can feel it coming, and I'm, I'm not even in my forties yet. Um, one of the interesting things is as you get older your body produces fewer cannabinoids this is why as you get older cannabinoids not only become safer they become practically necessary mm. um, you know and it's, it's you know like we, we, we see in like places like, you know, like Colorado there's a study came out last week that teenage cannabis consumption is now down 10% compared to when it was illegal so now that it's legal, now that their aunties and their grannies and their granddads are all sort of going down to the shop and getting their yeah. weeds and getting their chocolate and whatever they're getting, it's not cool anymore. It's not fun. It's not rebellious. Yeah. It's it's just normal. And it mm. should be just normal because in terms of its relative harm to the user and society, ca- uh, cannabis is equivalent to coffee. It's not something that, you know, okay. you know it's, it's very different. You know, like you wake, someone who wakes up in the morning and has a pint of beer, that's there's a something there's something about that doesn't feel right. But someone gets up in the morning, has a wee joint, has a wee pipe, and they can go to work. They can go do what they have to do for the rest mm-hmm. of the day. Mm-hmm. That's more common than you think. If you've much ever, more common than what oh, yeah. most people yeah. think. If you've ever you you've probably had your hair cut by someone who smoked weed that mm-hmm. day. You've probably you've definitely ate a, ate a meal that was cooked by someone under the influence of cannabis. Yeah. You've probably chefs. been... Yeah, chefs love it. I mean, of course, it's a stressful environment. And if yeah. there's one thing that cannabis is really good at helping you manage, stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, stress occurs in loads of different forms. I mean, there's outside stress. So, you know, uh, work. Work causes a type of stress. But then so does heat. So does it. If it's too windy, that's stressful. Yeah. When you walk into a supermarket, you're bombarded with choice Mm -hmm. so that's a type of stress in and of itself the type of light that we're sitting under that can really affect some people you know there's there's Mm -hmm. loads of things that can cause it but then there's also internal stress so the body has to try and balance out all these different signals and all these different things and what does it use to do cannabinoids the more you use them you're gonna need to top yourself up you run the risk of being depleted um I think that, like you know, as we as we age, we need more cannabis, and I think that it's going to be older people that lead this change in the industry. Certainly, as in my experience, it's so far. Mm-hmm. I mean, the people I'm encountering, but I'm like, even my mum, my mum's got a dodgy knee, and I in passing said to the week, my wife has got shoulder and neck pain as a result of her pills. So she was using it, and I said to my mum, here, by the way, Stace was getting on really well with a CBD oil. Why don't you look into it? If there's anything, no. That you need to know, hit us up, and you know, we can maybe provide a bit of advice on it. And then a couple of weeks later, she was like, That stuff's life changing, yeah. you know what I mean? And again, the thought would never have occurred to her other than to say, Oh, you know, it's, it's all right now, like you can go and manage your pain in whichever way you see fit. And mm. as I say, it is that older generation in my experience that are actually like driving this forward because yeah. I think that pretty much everyone <clears throat> under 40. I think you would struggle to find anyone under the age of 40 who thinks that prohibition of cannabis is a really good idea. Uh-huh. Like, you know, we're, we're at a point where, yeah, with the Transmit Festival, I saw at least two or three people smoking joints 
on I was watching the coverage on the TV and you see <laughs> someone at the back and you're like, oh, what's up, man? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're listening to musicians, all of whom smoke weed, like yeah. Ed Sheeran, number one hit artist, mm-hmm. loves smoking weed. He's, yeah. He has songs about smoking weed. Like, you know, Snoop Dogg, another easy, yeah. really easy one to pick. But there's loads of musicians, artists, actors. I mean, mm-hmm. California has had legal medical cannabis since the mid-90s. Yeah. So pretty much, I would wager that the majority of movies that you've watched from 96 onwards, someone on the set was smoking weed. Yeah, yeah. I like the Bill Hicks line on this where he's like, if you, yeah. if you don't, if you don't believe in drugs, then take all your albums and burn them because it's been made by people that are just absolutely high off their face. Yeah, totally. The Beatles, like the greatest band of all time. <laughs> Let's get wrangled enough. Ma- Paul, <laughs> Paul McCartney got uh, he got arrested in Japan or something, wasn't it? He? he got arrested for possession of cannabis right. in, in the sixties or the seventies. Um, in the ni- in the mid sixties, he was one of a group of sort of celebrities at the time who signed an open letter that was published in a newspaper. Um, calling for the legalization of cannabis. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Paul McCartney's big into it. He loves he loves a wee joint. Mm-hmm. So what are the the, the main so CBD? I think that again, quite a lot of people are quite clued up on the sort of CBD yep. stuff. Is there any other purpose for THC other than getting you stoned? Oh yes. So THC. So interestingly, THC essentially imitates a cannabinoid that our mm. brains make. Uh, are cannabinoids called anandamide. THC under a microscope just looks and performs much the same way as anandamide. Okay. Now the two places where you'll most you'll find the most of the anandamide in your body uh, are one in breast milk. So breast milk is full of anandamide because anandamide makes you feel happy, hungry and sleepy. So the little baby drinks some breast milk, he gets happy. So he feels good, he bonds with mother, mm-hmm. he gets hungry, he gets the munchies, so he eats some more, mm-hmm. and then he falls asleep afterwards. Great. It's really important for, for a child's neurological development to have that cannabinoid. The other place we'll find anandamide is after mm-hmm. exercise. So you've gone for specifically running. So runner's high is a cannabinoid high. Okay. So it's, no, it's no, normally people say like endorphins. Endorphins are natural painkillers. They're like painkillers that our bodies make. And if you hurt yourself badly, you will release endorphins, mm-hmm. but your body does not reward you with them. Right. It will reward you with cannabinoids. So you feel okay. happy, hungry, sleepy. Runner people who don't get runners <clears throat> high will ex- uh, they report experiencing feeling more close to nature or mm-hmm. feeling close, more empathy for their fellow man. They'll just feel good. The idea with cannabinoids and anandamide is to rest, relax, recover, recuperate, eat, sleep, and be merry. Okay, that that's it. And with THC, these are the kind of things that we see. Like while in, in America, for example. Uh, a lot of cancer patients use THC because it helps their appetite. Yeah. Um, because chemotherapy is not a pretty experience. It's yeah. not something that's enjoyable. It can kill your appetite. Uh, it can you ruin your sleep. It can do all kinds of... Re- mm-hmm. But cannabis kind of eases that in. It, it's useful for that. Same with people with uh, like AIDS patients, sort of yeah. giving them their appetite back, mm-hmm. helping reestablish sleep. It's a very good acute neuro-anti-inflammatory. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the interesting things about THC is that when your brain's done with cannabinoids... It holds on to them. So after you've got stoned, uh, your brain holds on to that little bit of THC and will recycle and reuse it for up to six weeks. Okay. And this is why you will test positive for cannabis 
weeks after you, you smoke it. So you smoke a joint today, in six weeks' time, you can fail a drugs test. Yeah. Every other drug on the planet will be out of your system within a matter of days, if not hours. Mm -hmm. Alcohol, the second it gets into your bloodstream, your liver goes into overtime trying to get rid of it. Same, same with cocaine, caffeine, nicotine. There's a very short life. But for some reason, cannabinoids hang around for weeks mm. because they're useful. Your body's not trying to get rid of it. Right. Your body can get rid of just about anything, but it's not trying to get rid of that. It's going to hold on to it. So THC like itself, it's it's the short term, It's it, as well as being a pleasant experience, uh, it has a lot of other useful things. So yeah, mm. in improving your overall mood and how you use it can affect how it treats you. So for example, okay. if you smoke it or, or vaporize it or inhale it, that's a quick way of getting it. Uh -huh. So it's into the system quickly. It peaks within about 15 to 20 minutes. And by an hour, you're kind of back to baseline. So mm -hmm. it's a very sort of quick experience. If you eat it, or if you put it under your tongue, uh, it's a much slower, uh, more gentle experience. Mm -hmm. It's drawn out yep. over a few hours. Uh, sometimes if you eat too much, it can be a little bit unpleasant. Yeah. And we've yeah. all seen people who've just thought, oh, I can handle it. I'll have a couple of cakes. And before they know it, they're melted into the yeah. sofa. Yeah. Does it change? <clears throat> Did that, Correct. It, it changes, the compound changes, doesn't it? Go through your liver or something. Yeah, like so that. your liver your liver gets first dibs on whatever goes through your digestive tract. And it'll change THC from delta-9 THC to, I think it's 11-hydroxy-THC. Yeah, it's which is way more psychoactive. More psychoactive, mm. closer to being a psychedelic. Than okay. regular so that explains why when people take the 500 milligram star of death, mm. that it's called the star of death, yeah, and they, they feel that they're dying. They trip out, yeah. And mm. it's one of these things like in like in states like Colorado where uh, cannabis has been legalized, in the first year they do they have reported seeing like a spike in the number of hospital admissions. Okay. It's not people smoking weed. It's people eating too much. Yeah. Because again, it's that thing. If I gave you a sweet and said, that's 10 milligrams of THC, you'd be like, mm -hmm. yeah, I'll have five. Ha <laughs> ha But you don't know how you're going to react because yeah. your smoking tolerance and your eating tolerance are totally different. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it's gonna, it may take a couple of hours for you to feel what that edible has done. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, you might be tempted to eat a little bit more, a little yeah. bit more. Mm -hmm. And that's where people... Yeah. So people oh, end I up in hospital... You know, like freaking out. They they think they're dying. Their heart rates up. They're sweating. They're they're not comfortable. It's, uh, they don't know what to do. The treatment for it is really simple. Sleep. Yeah. Have got some sweet tea. That's mate. my experience with it as well. Do you like, sugar do, and sweet? Do you like The Simpsons? We put a DVD on for you. I crack on, mate. This is the thing with alcohol. If you have like acute alcohol poisoning, yep. you need to have your stomach pumped. You need to be put on drugs. You need to be monitored. If it's weed, if you have too much. Sit, sit you down in a quiet room, turn the lights down a wee bit, maybe speak, yep. speak to you in a nice, gentle, quiet yeah. tone. I remember... Um, That's something some, I feel for a few somebody's rabbit, somebody's rabbit ate like a space cake, like a homemade space cake, and they turned around and, and uh, they phoned the vet, and the vet went, do the exact same thing that you would date a human being, put them in their bed. Yeah. The rabbit, they, threw, they threw a cover over the rabbit's cage and yeah. the rabbit slept for a day and a half and then came back out and was fine yeah. I mean even like was it last year was it last year or the year before there was that uh, program on ITV where they got like five celebrities yeah they got so, yeah, um, I found that one quite they interesting Pat Butcher, didn't they? yeah Pat Butcher, Pat Butcher, Pat Butcher. She, she's now an actual Bobby daily George. smoker yeah uh, like cannabis since that but what was it happened in the I didn't actually watch the program oh, did you not? I've just I seen it since okay, so they Justin went, Fashionu or something uh, John, uh, Fashionu was there uh, Christopher Biggins 
um, a couple hours. Aye. But they went. To, there's one point they went to a restaurant. There's a woman. Um, her name's Nona Marijuana. Uh, who she's an Italian lady. And she's a chef, and she makes all this food infused with cannabis. And so they go and they have dinner with her, and there's cannabis and everything, and blah, blah, blah. and Christopher Biggins loved it so much he went back for seconds and thirds. They ended up ha- having like like too much. Yeah. Ended up floating away to bed, and sort of freaking out, having a wee bit of a, a wee bit of a, a whitey, and just not feeling the best. Mm-hmm. But it's really funny because he wakes up the next morning, and he's like, "What was that about?" And he just gets on with his day. He's like, yeah. He yeah. kind of shrugs it off. Mm-hmm. Compare that to someone who gets hammered, someone who gets really <sighs> really drunk on alcohol, and the next yeah. day they're sick. They're pale. They can't eat. They can't drink. They can't feel the psychological yeah. impact on them. horrible. Because that's the thing. Like hangovers change as you get older, right? It starts yeah. off you don't get hangovers, and then you're in your twenties and you get a wee headache or maybe a bit of a dicky tummy, mm-hmm. and then you get into your thirties and it's a full-on existential crisis. You're like, mm-hmm. why am I here? <laughs> what did I do to deserve this? And what can I do to end this suffering? It becomes a very different experience. Yeah. Um, you know, but you compare that to cannabis. You wake up the next day feeling a bit, feeling a bit beige. Feeling yeah. a bit all right, you mm-hmm. know. That's float until you have a coffee, and then you think that's it. I'm fine. Yeah, interestingly, coffee works on the endocannabinoid system, but in reverse. So where cannabis switches on the endocannabinoid system mm-hmm. and kind of activates it, coffee deactivates it. So this is why you know sitting down with a coffee and a joint kind of they, oh they complement one another. <clears throat> I didn't realize that. So yeah, I've. I mean, I've always coffee wondered, and weed is like pure strawberries and cream, man. It's like a pure classic yeah, combination. It's, it's almost counterintuitive to put the two of them together because you always think, well, coffee brings you up and weed <coughs> brings you down. But they're amazing. So if you have like a like half a joint yeah. in the ashtray for the night before and you smoke that and have a cup of coffee, it's literally like... Oh, it's, it's beautiful. And a day off on a oh, nice day. Saturday morning. That's <laughs> it. Stop gushing. Well, to the how, do you, how, how, how do you personally consume your cannabis? Because like you're saying, and, and the, the, I mean... Science has got involved here, <laughs> and like we can get you know, like crisps when we're drinking CBD water. Um, but the, for the, the THC, you can get like sugary snacks, chocolates, but then also you get like the concentrated stuff that's like dabs, mm-hmm. and they're done with a blowtorch on glass. And this is literally like science has got oh, involved yeah. here. And but how, <laughs> how do you has per- science gone too far? <laughs> how, do, how do you personally consume? I use a dry herb vaporizer. So I okay. used I used like like a lot of people in the UK. I started by smoking joints. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think like that's the most common way that people will will start is like a mm-hmm. pipe or a joint. So I, I used to use like tobacco and cannabis in a skin, the old fashioned way. Yeah. Uh, a few years ago, when I quit cigarettes, um, I started getting into like e-cigarettes, and then I kind of realized like I need something else to use. I don't want to combust it. Mm-hmm. So did a little bit. There's a lot of trial and error when it comes to finding a vaporizer yeah. that fits you because there's, like I said, there's science. So many. There's so many. So the, the, there's ones that are, you know, they run up to like four or five hundred pounds. There's ones yeah. that are Bluetooth connected mm-hmm. to your phone. Yeah, the one that's a Megatoke. You seen the, the oh, Megatoke videos? That? That's the big gold one that everybody uses in the States, but oh, they're like right. $400 and you can burn through an ounce in like a day. One. <laughs> the, the chamber on it's massive. Oh, so yeah. it's See, the one, I, the, the one I use is kind of the opposite. The one I use is really low tech and really, really simple. Mm-hmm. It's a company called Dynavap. Um, I recommend them to anyone who's looking for a vaporizer. It's about the same size as a cigarette. It's made of either stainless steel or titanium. Mm-hmm. It's got a little bowl on the end. Um, it's got one hitter. Basically, it's like a one hitter, but it's a vaporizer. So right. you heat it up with like a wee jet lighter. It takes it to that kind of sweet spot temperature. And with a little bit of practice, 
it, it, it just like I've, I've used vaporizers like loads of the sort of big name ones this is the one that I use every yeah. day like it has replaced every other bit of kit that mm-hmm. I have right. it's really really efficient it's really really nice it's a purpose built contraption like yeah. it's really really well designed mm-hmm. the the company have got like dozens maybe hundreds of videos where they go through all the minutiae of what they've designed and why this particular why the, why the new version has this particular type of airflow compared to the right. old version and they're always tweaking it and always updating it so <clears> it, it, they're great devices um, that's my favorite way but that being said I also like eating it so I also like having like a wee sweetie or something just mm. to have something that's going to carry me through like a longer period so for example in the morning um, I like to have a wee, maybe a wee, a wee bit of an edible in the morning because I'm going to go to work. I don't want to be like high at work necessarily. Like mm-hmm. I'm not against that, but mm-hmm. it's nice to have a wee edible because that kind of carries it through the day. So yeah. it's kind of like a bit more of an even experience. Slow burner. Slow burner. Mm-hmm. That's it. I mean, there's a there's a time and a place for everything. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's about I think one of the great things about cannabis is that there's there's options. Yeah. There's so many options. If you want to have it as a cake, yep. cool. My guy, he can get you in the form of hummus. You can get THC hummus or avocado <laughs> cream with THC. You want ma- maple syrup? Yeah, we can do that. You can put THC and CBD in just about anything. Mm-hmm. You don't have to use one or the other. You can use a little bit of both. And in fact, it'll probably work out better if you do use a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they're made for one another. They complement yeah. one another. And your brain knows what to do with these chemicals. You're perfectly safe to kind of experiment and see what works best, or, or rather, you would be perfectly safe if it was legal. If we had a regulated system, mm-hmm. you would know there'd be accountability. There would be someone who was whose job it was was to make sure that the weed that you're smoking is of a good quality, yeah. as opposed to at the moment at the moment where you're kind of relying on the kindness of strangers. We hope mm-hmm. we hope and trust that that man at the end of the phone he has our best interests at heart. Yeah. We hope He's got the good. He's got the good connections. He's getting the good stuff. But you know, realistically, you know, because like my opinion is that cannabis, first and foremost, is a health product. Mm-hmm. Before it's a recreational substance, before it's anything else, it is a health product. It's something Absolutely. that you can use for your health. Mm-hmm. So because of that, we need to have spaces like our shop where you can come and talk about it, where you can come and ask questions and <coughs> yeah. learn. Because a big part of the you see this in the states and you see it with businesses here. The biggest part of what we do is education. Teaching people that yeah, CBD and THC. So there's the first thing you got to learn. There's just two these two main these two main chemicals, and they do this, and this is how you use them. Mm-hmm. Blah, 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 blah. Um, the little phrase I like to use is you don't have to get high to get healthy, but it doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know there's there's, there's a place a time and a place for everything, and yeah. it's it's exciting to be part of this industry now, seeing as it's changing here. I mean, there's a lot of contrast to how it's changed in America and Canada. Um, we're a lot more we're a lot more intransigent here. We're we're kind of taking our time with it, but that is because there there are a number of people in our government who mm-hmm. have vested interests in the cannabis industry. Yeah. Um, there are already companies that I mean I think a couple of weeks ago there was a, an Australian pharmaceutical company applying for a license to grow cannabis in Ayrshire. That's weird, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Why don't they grow cannabis in Australia? Why are they trying? Oh, they're capitalizing on the market yeah. because we're not allowed to. They won't need right. to import. No. If they grow it here, if they grow it here, ah, oh, it's fine. Yeah, because it's 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 only medicine. Whenever a pharmaceutical so company makes like the UK is the biggest exporter of cannabis in the Correct. EU. Correct in the world. 40, in the world, forty-five yeah, percent of the world's medical cannabis is exported from the UK. But the people of the UK in general 
can't get access to that. Less than mm-hmm. 100 people have got access to medical cannabis since the law changed last year. Mm-hmm. It was like, I, I have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder about how all this happened, how the, the law was changed in the UK. Yep. So last year, uh, there was a little boy called Billy Caldwell who has severe epilepsy yep. and was taking cannabis oil from a, a Canadian doctor, bringing it in. What they, kind of cannabis oil? Was it THC um, or It had THC in it, so it had both. Um, <clears throat> so it was, okay. So it had both. And like, the thing is, like, we're not even talking about something that was like really, really strong. Like We're talking about products that maybe have between 8 and 10% CBD and maybe 1 or 2% THC. Like it's not... It's not, okay. in, you know, it's it's not like a, a you know, like <clears throat> Star Dog or mm. Girl Scout so cookies. That was something or, I was yeah. actually going to ask it back. What, what kind of milligram are we talking in the breast milk? Because like, <laughs> the 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 talk is that while your brain's developing, you should stay away from THC. I mean, I don't know about CBD, but THC especially. That the, the the health recommendations are while the brain's developing, stay away from the psychoactive stuff mm-hmm. because it can fuck you up. Yeah. Is the like so? What kind of milligrams is it? Like, is it like microdosing? Is that? To be honest, I'm not entirely sure what. Uh, I'm okay. not entirely sure what kind of concentration anandamide is found in the breast milk. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, like I would imagine that there probably are some subtle differences in how anandamide and THC behave. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, like we grow out of consuming breast milk, so I would, I would assume that it's you know, while we're yeah. still really young. I mean, cannabinoids are important in two particular processes in neurological development which are neurogenesis and neural pruning so neurogenesis is the growth of new neural tissue Mm -hmm. new nerve cells new neurons Uh, neural pruning is the removal of defunct or unused neural things so there's a lot the cannabinoids are used for both of those processes and those processes are very pronounced particularly in newborn babies Mm -hmm. so I would assume that within just don't want anybody coming back to me with a tweet saying you're (laughs) You're saying in your podcast to give THC in your bond. Oh, yes. <laughs> so just you should start um, sort of spiking your little uh, synthetic breast milk <laughs> <laughs> portions with sort of THC. Well, no saying that, but no, no, absolutely it's just not. I, that was something I was thinking. I wonder what kind of level. Got to imagine it'd be quite a small amount. Very small, yeah. But yeah. the thing is, like, stoned off yeah. your breast milk. I mean, with with cannabinoids, you don't need a, a large number of milligrams to get the desired effect. Mm-hmm. So, for example, with THC. Uh, an active dose so the amount of THC needed to give you the, the, the first inklings of a psychoactive experience is about two and a half milligrams so two to two and a okay. half milligrams mm-hmm. that's about one or two puffs on a joint yeah that's it that's and that's 10 what milligrams is one dose of an edible mm-hmm. is so that, that's most like edibles dose. yeah most edibles will come in like tens so you yeah. get like a 10 milligram if you cut it in half you've got you five. five so you can kind of gauge it that way mm-hmm. uh, there are some people that can consume hundreds of milligrams or some people that really can't and there's a lot of variety there's a lot of reasons in between why that is yeah there's actually a company in the states uh, who do a genetic genetic test and they'll do a little swab and they'll find out what types of cannabis suit you best mm-hmm. and what kind of content of THC and CBD would suit you best based right. on your genetic See, that's what we need like that's the yeah. like you're saying when people come in like any documentary that I've seen in general they will tell them to take a lesser dose mm-hmm. like when you see them at the counter with mm-hmm. an expert and I think that that is like you're saying the prohibition I mean I get some weed off a Romanian dude I mean, this is probably the best hookup I've ever had in, in my life. Like, to this point, this guy's he's such a nice guy as well, but he, he gave me some stuff that literally, like, and I've been smoking since I was like 18, so I'm 35 now, so I'm, I'm coming on 20 years. 
and this stuff literally like knocked me off my perch mm. and, I, and I was like right I need to I need to really watch so that's the type of thing that we need to we need we need experts that can steer people in the right direction genetic yeah. tests to tell you this is the type of stuff that will work best for you in yeah. this type of environment I think as well people's expertise and, and just to kind of again touch back on previous points that we've made is that we need people's expertise in scenarios like your, your store here and how we navigate the law because we're sitting here saying it's good to have or it's probably recommended we have a, a nice balance of THC and CBD at a point when obviously <clears throat> technically you know the THC stuff is still illegal now I think this is an area where, as much as we're attitudes sort of societally are developing, I don't think that the law is actually moving way the times. Oh, no. no. You know what I mean? I mean, just like one of my favourite quotes when it comes to cannabis legislation in the UK is from 2009. Uh, the Home Secretary at the time was Alan Johnson, and the exact words he used were, it was like, we cannot have confusion between scientific advice and policy. Politicians will always prioritise policy. policy. Yeah. You know, I mean, when you look at cannabis legislation in the UK, it is about saving face. Last year, that little boy had his medical cannabis taken off him at the airport. Within 24 hours, he was in hospital. They gave it back to him. Within 24 hours, he was out of hospital. Within a week or two, the Home Secretary, Sajid Javid, had said that he was going to you know, loosen the regulations on cannabis and reschedule it so that doctors could now prescribe it. And what's happened since then? Nothing. Nothing. Why? Because the intention that he approached this from was wrong. He wasn't moved by compassion or evidence mm-hmm. or reason. It was because a child nearly died on TV. Yeah, it's public yeah. opinion. Yeah. It's political games. PR. You know, they, yeah. If a little boy had died on TV under his watch, he would have had to answer for that. But yeah. because the kid survived, he had to do something mm. about it because yep. we can no longer look the elephant in the eye there's an elephant yeah. in the room the elephant in the room is that everyone loves weed we're all doing it every single one of us you know it's 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 not that big a deal mm. and yet we have to pretend like it is we pay yeah. we pay homage to the great pharmaceutical companies that are going to save us from this horrible raw weed because it's not medicine until it's been processed by GW Pharmaceuticals and put into a pill or put yeah. into a wee spray and then sold to Canada yeah. you know, it's it's infuriating and I can see why a lot of cannabis advocates get kind of angry about the whole thing because mm-hmm. there's so little logic in it there's so little compassion we're, we're, look, we're talking about a plant that we've used for tens of thousands of years that could alleviate or at the very least contribute to the well-being of hundreds of thousands of people yeah. in this country alone yep. and yet because of some racist guy in the 1930s we're not allowed any mm. so let's touch on that like what, why why is it banned like- money profit that's it in a nutshell mm-hmm. basically in the 1930s right in the 1920s america prohibited alcohol alcohol yep. prohibition was a disaster but there was a whole wing of government that that was their job yep suddenly they were out of work so they needed to prohibit something else so the guy who the, the sort of architect of prohibition is a guy called harry j anslinger and i would encourage your listeners to google this man because some of the things that he said and believed were reprehensible mm-hmm. um he set about banning cannabis, but knew that he would never get away with banning cannabis if he called it cannabis. So instead, he used the word marijuana to try and make it sound foreign, make it sound dangerous and mm-hmm. scary. Okay. So it changed in people's... Putting it, mixing it Mexican. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like change, change the narrative. Change how people think about it. Mm-hmm. Change how people approach it. Because at that point, like 100 years ago, the American Medical Association had cannabis listed as a primary treatment for over 100 illnesses. 
that was how prevalent everyone had used it at some point or another. Yeah, right. It was so common. So they would never would have went for a ban on cannabis, but marijuana. Yeah. That mm-hmm. sounds scary. So basically he took money from the timber industry. Yeah. He took money from the oil industry. Mm-hmm. He took money from the paper industry. He took money from the cotton industry. And he put together the gore file. And the gore file was every single negative uh, like news article he could find about cannabis where mm-hmm. a bank had been robbed and they found a roach in the corner. So, oh, it was the stoners. Yeah. Or yeah. A jazz musician crashed his car into like a lamppost and it was because of the weed. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the one in yeah, the movie. Madness. Reef, yeah. Reef of Madness. The, the, the white woman running away with the black men. Yeah. Like that sort of... Yeah, it, it's so racist. Mm-hmm. Like some of the things he said were like not even low key racist. They were just straight Outright, up racist. Yeah. But the thing is, it was all about money. It was all about you know, like the, the timber companies couldn't sell as much timber because people were using hemp. Yeah. Oil companies couldn't make as much plastic because people were using hemp plastic. Mm-hmm. Um, cotton companies, cotton, cotton requires a lot of water and a lot of pesticides. Yeah. Hemp just grows. Mm-hmm. It's just you, 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 it's, it's difficult to make it stop growing. It's, yeah, it's, it's actually harder to make it yeah, stop growing. It's, it's called weed for a reason. You know, this yeah. is, it just it just grows. So there's all these big companies, and it you know, even like we talk about the pharmaceutical industry and how they're trying to hold back cannabis prohibition. They're only trying to hold it back until they can get their money in place. Yeah, there's already at least half a dozen to a dozen pharmaceutical companies that are already developing medical cannabis products. Some of them are already developing them in this country. Mm -hmm. The prohibition of cannabis has always been motivated by prejudice, but also profit. Mm -hmm. Who can make money out of this stuff? Is it the pharmaceutical companies? Yes. What about the alcohol companies? Because they put a lot of money into cannabis prohibition as well. Alcohol sales go down when cannabis is legalized. Why? Because when you have a better choice, you don't make the shit choice anymore. You're less likely to. The irony of that is is that they've got the money to make the weed beer. Like, if tenants, Budweiser, or Stella Artois went, or Instead of alcohol, this is beer with THC in it. Mm-hmm. People would drink it. Yeah. So they've get the they've get the money and the resource to actually like make it mm-hmm. huge. Heineken are scared. Yeah. so scared. Heineken have already developed uh, two drinks. One of which is ten milligrams THC, uh-huh. and one which is five milligrams THC, five milligrams CBD. Okay. So there's a red. This is like the, 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 it's already happening. It's uh-huh. just that the UK is really far just behind. Sitting behind. Yeah, and it's it's because it's not convenient. It's not convenient to legalize cannabis because it means the Conservative Party holding their hands up and yeah. saying, "All right, we were wrong. We lied. We knew uh-huh. you can have your weed now." Bye. They're not going to do that. The irony of that is, is that Theresa May's husband. I'm pretty sure I owns part of a company that's yep. heavily so, invested. I think they were the ones that were trying to make get the patents. Yep, correct. So Theresa May's husband, Philip, works for a company called Capital Group. Now, isn't that a friendly sounding business? Yeah. Yeah. Capital Group. Uh, they own twenty two percent. So they own Overlord tr- LLC. <laughs> <laughs> they yeah, they, they, they own twenty two percent, so a controlling share of GW Pharmaceuticals who make two or three different cannabis based meds in the UK. Mm-hmm. Now GW Pharmaceuticals make it in the UK but they don't grow the cannabis themselves. That job is left up to a company called British Sugar. British Sugar, the managing director director is called Paul Kenward. His wife is Victoria Atkins. Victoria Atkins is the Home Office Minister for da, 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 Drugs Policy. How did he get his license, I wonder? It's so unfair. It's mm-hmm. so ludicrous you know, to, to believe that, that any of this is done for our benefit. That there, I, I, I cannot believe that at this point that there are 
government ministers who can look at what's going on in the world and think that they're still on the right side of history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There have been millions of people who have suffered needlessly. Still because happening? Of, I mean, still look, happening. At, look at America. I mean, you were saying earlier on in the, the, the episode, 11 states have pretty much fully legalised marijuana or weed usage. Um, but the people who have been convicted, again, overwhelmingly people of colour, uh, still find themselves in jail for something that's no longer illegal. Well, some people like, there's are no, there's no, strikes, aren't there? There's, there's no, like, there's no level of this counter-argument against it that works on any level, yeah. anywhere. Cannabis prohibition, at, the be- at best, is capricious. It, you know, like the things like the three-strike rule, if you get caught with like three joints, that's you, life sentence. It's it's ridiculous. It makes little to no sense. Yeah. And the thing is, like, it's like drug prohibition of any sort, be it alcohol or heroin, mm-hmm. or even if they decided you know, there was act, there was a movement to try and ban coffee back in I think it was the sixteen or seventeen hundreds. Okay. Yeah, they tried to ban coffee because when coffee first landed in the UK, everyone went nuts for it. They didn't realise you were only supposed to drink it in the morning. People were going out to the coffee shop at like half eleven at night and coming home like buzzing and talking <laughs> shit. Um, so there was a whole movement saying, "Oh, we need to get rid of this this horrible bitter yeah. liquid. It's turning our husbands into." Madmen and all this kind of stuff, but it, it, it's capricious. It's social engineering that's designed to give the police an excuse to arrest arrest young people, and in particular, people of color. Yeah, black kids, kids from like Mexican backgrounds in America are also like targeted more often than not. But mm-hmm. there's not a statistical. They're not statistically more likely to be cannabis users just because they're from a minority background. Mm-hmm. But they are more often than not targeted yeah. for yep. stop and search for you know, all these little things. And the irony being. It's a plant that grows in the dirt. People have it all over the place. You yeah. know, like there, there yeah. are millionaires and billionaires who grow it. There are people already making huge amounts of money and building empires out of this. And yet there's a guy who's sitting, you know, in a prison cell because he had like half a gram. I know a guy who can't travel to America because he has, uh, he was arrested once for having drugs. What he had on his person, and it wasn't even, it was a tiny little blob of hash. This is back in like the 90s, I think. So a wee tiny bit of hash in his wallet, in the corner of his wallet. He didn't even know it was there. It was an, it was 84 milligrams. Not even a gram, not even half a gram. 84 milligrams of hash. Wow. That was squished up in a wee ball in the dirt and the <clears> fluff <throat> in the corner of his wallet that you could easily forget about. And he can't go to America ever again for the rest of his he's life. Got a drug conviction. Because he's got a drug conviction. What's that? Who does that help? Yeah, I mean, what's Nobody. you know? What, what? I think even just the expense. I mean, the the cost of enforcing completely pointless laws versus actually, as you say, regulating and providing people with an educated viewpoint that allows them to then make use of these products in the best way possible for them. Surely, is to everybody's benefit. See if you if you look at the the craze that happened maybe 10 years ago where people were smoking potpourri is like to, and the damage that that did to people mm. why were we not banning potpourri <laughs> or bath salts or bath salts <laughs> what is it like legal highs or so called legal highs that is all born out of the pro- prohibition yeah, ideology yep. so in the 1960s uh, a scientist by the name of Raphael Meshulam discovered THC and CBD he was the first scientist to take the cannabis plant apart and identify these two main ingredients mm-hmm. within a couple of years pharmaceutical companies were making their own versions Probably because everything up to that had been considered a waste <laughs> 
Probably, yeah. But they there's up after in the seventies, pharmaceutical companies started developing their own versions of THC and CBD that they could use for research because you can't research THC and CBD because they come from an illegal plant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you can't research it because it's illegal <clears throat> and it's illegal because there's not enough research. So yeah, we were nice little catch twenty two. So the pharmaceutical companies started developing their own synthetic cannabinoids, mm -hmm. which were all shelved. The in, in human tests, people found them uncomfortable, uh, dis you know disorienting, uh, just really unpleasant experiences. So they got shelved for about thirty years until someone discovered that if you can make this chemical and then spray it on some potpourri or spray it on some inert plant matter and you've got fake weed, you've got mm -hmm. spice, or you've got mamba or K2, mm -hmm. legal highs, synthetic cannabinoid receptor agonists, SCRAs. Now, whenever you see in the newspaper, I think it was a couple, a couple weeks, a couple months ago, there was an article saying that there was over a thousand people in Scotland last year hospitalized because of cannabis. Read the, read the detail. Yeah. It wasn't cannabis, it was synthetic cannabinoid receptor Agonists. I think they also used, and in terms of their, their figures being just ridiculous, as, you, as you're mm -hmm. pointing out here, is that a lot of them were about people who had maybe drank heavily that night and also through yeah. the process the night had a joint a or whatever happened. it is, where it was, it was actually that cannabis was in the mixer, yeah, something wider that was going on, but it was like a thousand, I think it was Ruth Davidson that quoted it, was it not? Uh -huh. A thousand cannabis hospitalisations, and you're like, that's bullshit. See that in yeah. America? Total lies. There was a, a statistic that they used that traffic accidents had went up mm -hmm. since Washington or the state of Washington had legalised cannabis, but 100% of the time alcohol was involved. So you're like, right, so drinking and smoking, it, uh, yeah, you're probably going to crash your car, yeah. but that's nothing to do with actually weed. It's a combination and, of the two. And also because whenever the whenever these... Get in the car. Yeah, when, and whenever these states legalise, there's a huge rush of people move to those states. Mm -hmm. So the increase in the traffic accidents correlates with the increase in population. Yeah. So it's not that there's more people crashing, it's just that there's more people there, there to crash. Yeah. So it's a I thing. And with regards to alcohol and cannabis together, yeah, this is one of the things that happens to a lot of people, is you, you go out drinking, and then you get to a certain point in the night and someone's like, hey, do you want to come back for a joint? You're like, yeah, yeah cool. And when, you're, you're, when you already have alcohol in your bloodstream, your, your liver prioritizes that. It, it yeah, wants to yeah. get rid of that. You consume cannabis. Now the THC that's gone into your bloodstream is allowed to peak at a higher level. So, the, you're, so right. technically, you're getting a bit more THC, but that's not necessarily a good, good thing. thing yeah. Because sometimes, as we all know, Sometimes less yeah. is more. Yep. So this is what ha this is why whenever this is why you're way more likely to spin out or have a mm -hmm. whitey or whatever you want to call it whenever you've been drinking. You've been drinking alcohol. Mm -hmm. My dad used to say, if you smoke and you drink, it makes you think. If you drink and you smoke, it makes you bulk. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it's a good it's a good way of putting it. And, it, and it's and it's knowing these things. It's 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 being aware that yeah, you really ideally shouldn't be mixing yeah. the two. Mm -hmm. exactly. uh, they're they're not comfortable with one another. Mm -hmm. They're not they're not good bedfellows. Yeah, you know? so on the comfort. I mean, we'll just, we'll just, sorry, we were just getting to like the hour mark and there was something that I really wanted to uh, get in is if somebody was listening to this and they said, no, but I smoked a joint back in the day or I, I had something that somebody gave me, like a space cake when I was in Amsterdam with my mates and I just hit panic and I felt nervous and I felt uncomfortable. What is the, what? well, first of all, like, what is that? Like, why do people feel nervous when they smoke weed? And is that just coming down to things like the genetic test where it's maybe the strains not being the right strain for them? Or is it just something that, I mean, because even I get that 
but I enjoy that. Mm-hmm. That that sort of yeah, heightened so- awareness that I, I I look at it like that. Like I'm more aware in my own state. I'm not. It, it's not weed making me feel like this. This is how I feel. It's just that when I smoke weed. I become more aware of how I'm... Yeah, that's, that's you pretty much hit the nail on the head. It's it, Cannabis, the THC acts like an on switch. It opens your eyes, opens the doors or the windows of perception, mm-hmm. whatever kind of flowery philosophical language you want to apply to. But it makes you more aware. So you're suddenly more aware of your heartbeat. So you're more aware of your surroundings. Colors look brighter. Sounds are louder. Um... It's an on switch. It's, it's stimulating the brain. Now it's yeah. not a stimulant in the same way that yeah. caffeine's a stimulant, but it is. It's providing the brain with <clears throat> a little something to chew on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of time people assume that you, know, you smoke you smoke weed to chill and it'll, it'll switch you off. It's not the same. It's not mm-hmm. switching you off. It switches parts of the brain on. Yeah. Um, for some people, THC is not a good idea. If you don't like it, you don't have to have it. It's one of these things. Like there are always options. Um, like if you don't want it, don't try it. But if you like cannabis, if you like, if you kind of liked it, if you if you liked a bit of it, but now it's too strong, there are other ways of taking it. There are other ways of using cannabis that mm-hmm. are way safer, mm-hmm. um, and you can tailor the experience to what you want. Like you know, you're talking about different strains. Like yeah, different strains have different effects on different people. There are certain strains that I really like that gel with me, but there are strains that I really don't like, and I, I give mm-hmm. a wide berth. Um, one of the more sort of you know anecdotal but generally well accepted practices is smell your cannabis before you buy it. If you like the smell of it, you'll probably like the effect. If you don't like the smell of it, or if it doesn't move you, then just leave it. Mm-hmm. It's not not for you. Don't shop by percentage because the more THC does not make it a better plant. Yeah. Um, in fact, in places like say like Switzerland, Switzerland, you can buy any strain of cannabis you want as long as it's less than one percent THC. So the breeders have gone out and they've bred lemon haze and white widow and Girl Scout cookies and Blue Dream and all these different strains, but they've just brought the THC down. So it's just CBD, but you're still getting the terpenes and the flavonoids and all those secondary cannabinoids mm-hmm. and other parts of the plant that give the plant its effect but just with a lower level of THC. Mm-hmm. So it's low enough that it's not enough to trigger that kind of psychoactive event. Yeah. If you're someone who is of a nervous disposition or if you have a history of mental health or uh, psychosis in your family, be careful. Yeah. Um, cannabis can be a fantastic resource if you use responsibly and if you yeah. have the right information. The problem is that in an illicit market, you don't necessarily yeah. have that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. What was your question? Um, So, I mean, I was just kind of, as much as we've covered, you know, throughout the the show, some of the preconceptions and, you know, some of the the sort of failings or some of the negatives that are thrown at it, I think one of the things we're seeing is more and more places start to legalise and, you know, incorporate it into, you know, their their societies is that there are actual benefits that come along with it, not just in terms of managing pain or managing, you know, there's actual a financial incentive Mm -hmm for state mm-hmm. bodies to yeah. actually like go the other way on jobs this. and taxes i mean you can raise like <clears throat> they've estimated that with a cannabis tax in the uk you could raise like something like, it was like four or five billion in just revenues alone plus you're going to create jobs plus you're going to give people experience mm-hmm. i mean so let's let's look at my wee shop in edinburgh right so i'm going to start selling weed right so where am i going to get it from i need to get it from a guy who's growing it so he has to have his business up and running and it's he's going to employ two or three different people and I'll have a few people in my shop and then he has to get his supplies yep. he has to get his plant food and his lights and he has to get the maintenance done from somewhere it all feeds into this larger economy mm-hmm. yeah. um, at the minute it's all done illegally but if you look at the states you know, again you, you look at you know um, 
they're taking over old Walmart buildings, these yep. huge empty supermarkets and converting it into like a super-sized cannabis farm where people who have those skills and have that interest can apply those skills and interests into doing something that they feel contributes to the overall well-being of society. Yeah. Um, I think that in the UK and in Scotland as well, we could have we could have loads of little farms, little indoor farms. We could even have a couple of outdoor farms. Mm-hmm. They maybe wouldn't be great, but you know, one of the ambitions I have for this business as a social enterprise is I would love to have a hemp farm that people can come and visit. You can come, you can right. learn how to grow it yourself, mm-hmm. you can learn how to make your own oil, you can learn how to weave a hemp basket. You can do, you know, it's a learning opportunity, mm-hmm. um, but it'll also create jobs. Like, I think in the States at the minute, since cannabis has been legalized in the US, there's been about 200 to 250,000 new jobs in the cannabis industry. That's insane. It's a huge amount of, and the thing as well, they're well paid. Do you want to tell, like, mm-hmm. the, in the state of Colorado, starting salary for an extract technician. So these are the guys who make the kind of dabs and shatters mm, and stuff. And stuff yeah. So starting salary. Much. Say so 20k. $75,000 cash. Fuck me. <laughs> cash because it's a cash only business. Yeah. So everyone gets paid in cash but it's yeah. $75,000 a year. Wow. Some people are earning six figures just growing cannabis. Yeah, just growing some weed. You know, it's 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 not doing any specific harm. Every you know, it, you know th- that money, that tax revenue goes back into healthcare. It can go back into roads mm-hmm. and schools mm-hmm. and services. You can make, this is the thing that when you, even even though, I wasn't an ethical stoner. I, I started smoking to get stoned, and as through the years you learn about it, and you learn about how rope on the rope, ships when we were plastic, dynamite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. denim you name Fruit. it you can make it out of hemp yeah. you get hemp protein so it's literally like the and there's nothing you can do with it if you uh, think about the it best plant on the, on the there's, planet we've banned it yeah there's there, there's, a, there's a company in the states that are making a battery out of hemp so it's like taking the hemp polymers and like forming a battery so in a couple of years time your iPhone might be powered by hemp um, that's insane hemp not if the government have, have <laughs> 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 it'll be, it'll be eye on well, lithium think, all the way <laughs> well, this is the thing eh? like, they, they, I think the, the government are so complicit in this because they have like, the Westminster government have so much influence over this policy and they've had input for years years and years and mm-hmm. years uh, groups like the MS Society have mm-hmm. lobbied the, the government yeah, yeah. to change the law um, there have been scientists I mean the, the government's own scientists uh, a guy called Professor David Nutt. Yeah, who was fired. This. Yeah, he was fired because he presented evidence to the government that went in the face of policy. Yeah, um, Theresa May famously um, like t- you know, like doctored certain reports on the, uh, the availability and legality of cannabis um, to suit her agenda. Um, we, these are not people who are driven by science or evidence you know, yeah. why would you trust science to someone who isn't a scientist yeah. why is health policy being decided by people who don't work in mm-hmm. healthcare why why isn't a doctor you know, it, it's I don't know it makes me annoyed it, it, yeah. it really is I mean the only other thing that we didn't really get to is the, the stigma of the gateway drug um, and I think because we'll just do it about an hour and ten minutes I'll just sort of sum that up that trauma is the gateway drug yes to, like people self-medicate with cannabis that, that then leads on to more self-medicating because they don't get their issues yeah. sort of sorted like adverse childhood events yeah or adverse childhood experiences we literally just spoke to uh james was it J- jamie james for uh, ac scotland um and we were talking to darren mcgarvey local about it as well that 
adverse childhood experiences, but this is people try and medicate that with cannabis, mm. and it's no. I mean, it then leads on to deeper addictions, and I don't I think that they're that's healthy. Chasing something that's not there. Yeah, and the thing is, like the, the the gateway hypothesis has been shut down decades ago. They just yeah. keep using. They keep it, and the UK is really bad for this. We keep it's, the UK is the only country in the world where they still talk about the gateway hypothesis, and they still harp on about psychosis and cannabis. Mm. We are obsessed with those because it Basically. sells newspapers, and that's what it comes down to. Um, like I am a cannabis user. I don't use any other drugs. I don't take alcohol. I don't use tobacco. Uh, I don't even take paracetamol or ibuprofen. Mm. I was offered migraine tablets last year by my doctor. Turned them down. Fixed it with weed. Easy. Do you know, it's yep. it's it's like I don't use other drugs. I don't need to. Mm-hmm. Cannabis is not the gateway. It's the well, it's it's the gateway off drugs. There are a yes. lot of support yeah, services yeah, yeah, yeah. that use CBD and THC to help people wean themselves off of worse drugs because yeah. this is the thing. There are worse drugs. Mm-hmm. Cannabis is not the devil. It's not reefer madness. It's not going no. to do you any specific harm. If we approach it with the right intention and with the best education, we can all benefit from it. Yeah, I think intention, that's something exactly. that we are. Like, talking to multiple people, it always seems to crop up as your intention's paramount. Um, thanks very much for the conversation, man. It's been, um, it's been awesome. Thank you. Immensely educational, other than just like three stoners sitting talking about how great we did. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to go up the road and get a joint in me now. <laughs> <laughs> but no, thanks very much. Do you want to just tell people like where the shop is? I mean, we predominantly we were doing stats uh, earlier on. Well, the podcast is all the UK, but is there a way for people to buy off of you that don't need to come to Edinburgh yeah. because it's predominantly Glasgow and no problem. So the shop is based at Eleven Great Junction Street in Edinburgh, but. If you're not able to get into the shop, our website is hempcanhelp.co.uk. You can order online there. We've got loads of different stuff on the website you can try. If you want to get in touch with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, we're on there as at hemp community, so you can find us there. We've got a Facebook group where we have have a support group where people Mm -hmm. can ask questions, uh, and we're always available to get in touch if you want to get in touch with us. Awesome, man. Thanks for having us in your shop. Thank you very much. Probably not being that convenient having a podcast come to your store, but... (laughs) Um, I've really enjoyed this so thanks very much for doing it again and I hope people come and check out your website maybe buy some stuff thank you very much yeah thanks for coming cheers cheers man So
fire We'll make the party I see right through it The great deceptive fade You call the party Feeding lies like you'll never know I don't need to be unhappy With a life to call my own See